Broadcasting live from the Campbell Student Union Center at Buffalo State, this is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Here's your host, Evan DePasquale. Welcome to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. 91.3 FM WBNY is Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. I am your host, Evan DePasquale. And today, we don't have I don't have my normal guests as I normally do, but I do have a guest on. Do you mind introducing yourself? Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is uh, Evan Harrington. I'm a freshman student here at Buffalo State College and uh, just uh, joining on today and you know, going to be a co-host on the show. So, yeah, this is basically Evan Squared on the show today. Um, this is, I like this, this was what a great game it was on Sunday. I thought that, I still thought that even though the Bills had lost to um, New England in the first game, they still uh, were the better team and they were always the better team. The only reason why they did they lost that first game was because of fifty mile an hour wins. What were what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, leading from the first game, I was in person at the first game, so I got the first hand experience, the wins and the weather conditions that everyone was talking about on TV. They weren't good for either team, matter of fact. There was two sided games that were going on. Belichick was giving us the ball at his forty throughout the first part of that game. And it was just a rough state of mind for both teams, but the Patriots ended up beating the Bills in that game and going into this game obviously better weather right uh that probably favored the bills more because you're giving josh allen perfect weather almost for him he's gonna throw the ball and slice up defenses and he did that he played a perfect game of football no punts the bills went into foxborough and gave belichick and the patriots beat down did a lot of people expect that i don't know when i was looking on social media and on other NFL outlets, I saw a lot of people favoring the Bills in this matchup, and the Bills came out and beat the Patriots, and that's kind of what I expected going into that game. I I was honestly, I expected this. I wasn't sure what to expect. I expected basically what happened, and this was, if you look at it from the Bills' perspective, this was an offensive turnaround, and having to do it without your best your probably your two two of your three best wide receivers in Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley you know the guys that came in really stepped up we I have the like the the final drive on my computer and Isaiah McKenzie really stepped up some stats of the game obviously um we're talking about a big bills win of the new over the new england patriots uh 33 to 26 uh, 33 21 excuse me um josh allen went 30 for 47 314 and three touchdowns with a quarterback rating of 104.4 ran for had 12 rushes for 64 yards Isaiah McKenzie, the unsung hero in this game, go, catching 11 balls for 125 yards and a touchdown, both career highs in catches and yards. That's like, obviously, I was like, I don't know if you want to keep Cole Beasley, but that that really showed that 
You need to get Isaiah McKenzie on the field more on the in the during that game. Yeah, and uh, you mentioning should the Bills keep Cole Beasley or not is a very interesting topic to bring up because if the Bills let go of Cole Beasley this offseason, they're going to save $6.1 million in cap space. And we have about $10 million coming in. So if you save six point one, obviously you can do the quick math there. It's about $16 million the Bills are going to have in cap space. Now, Cole Beasley, when he's at his, when he's at his peak, he's one of the, undoubtedly the best slot receivers in the league. He's up there. He's one of the best slot receivers in the league. But there's something you got to look at. There's a lot of good free agent slot receivers coming into this free agency market. Juju Smith-Schuster, young, talented receiver looking for a contract. Chris Godwin, young, young, talented receiver coming off an ACL tear, but still a young, talented receiver looking for a contract. Even Isaiah McKenzie. If we can get somewhat production like that out of Isaiah McKenzie three or four times a year, heck, bring him back. If it's a two two to three year deal, and small, he's going to be cheap, cheap, yeah, he will be cheap. We're we're looking at what six million dollars a year at most for Isaiah McKenzie, at most. That's what I would think. Yeah, he's I on, would I would think that. I I don't I don't know if he's ready to get the money that Cole Beasley got when he first got here, but I do think that this should be a two or three year deal. Um, he's already in his, well, I didn't know this. He's already in his sixth year in the league. So he's, you know, he's been around and let me tell you, you know, I think the fact that he, nobody knew about him is the reason why he played so well in this game. Um, you know, and obviously we'll take your phone calls at eight seven eight fifty one zero four. Um, some other things that I thought were big highs in the game was I thought that the whole the whole coaching staff really they outcoached the Patriots at wall to wall, but you know going forward on fourth down and we mentioned it was like uh, I was listening to games it was like four over four hundred games Bill Belichick has been the head coach and obviously they were mentioning it was his eight hundredth game coaching on. The side uh, coaching at um, not coaching for a um, coaching for as an assistant or as a head coach. This was his 800th game and he got out coached today with yesterday. Excuse me. He got really out coached. I love, love, loved the aggressiveness of Sean McDermott and going for it every fourth down don't punt the ball away because basically what we i like to say a punt is really a turnover yeah i would agree a punt is necessarily a turnover and when you look at interceptions it's almost like well if you're punting the ball three or four times away to me that's an interception you're giving them the ball back and the point where you're making that the bills out coach the new england patriots i would heavily agree i mean to a point now, New England was highly successful on fourth downs through all throughout the game. Yeah. They they were. They went five of six or six of seven they went. Something like Obviously, that. Obviously, Micah Hyde had that pick six at the end of the game on the Hail Mary attempt. But to a point, Brian Dable had these guys ready. Brian Dable had a set of receivers outside of Diggs and Sanders where New England did not have much tape on at all. We haven't seen much of Isaiah McKenzie all year. He had seven receptions coming in this game. There was no tape on a guy like Jake Kumaro with the Bills. No tape on... Uh, Isaiah Hodgins or Marquez Stevenson. So when you have six receivers and four of them 
uh, have not played at all this year, essentially, and the New England Patriots don't have tape on them, you can do a whole variety, a lot of things with them. And coming coming into the first couple drives, it's Allen, check down, get the ball out quick, get Allen in a rhythm, get the running backs involved, get everyone else involved, besides just trying to force feed the ball to Diggs or Sanders. And that was a great game plan by Brian Dable. And obviously, like you mentioned, Sean McDermott being aggressive, going for it on fourth down was huge for this Buffalo Bills team today, or yesterday. Yards after the catch was something that I found interesting because there were a lot of plays that Allen just instead of just standing in the pocket and waiting for the play to develop, he just kind of, you know, just boop, hit his check down and he got like a gain, a pass that went for two yards and up being a 10 yard gain after the catch. And I think that that's what's most important about this is you're not only getting yards for your, you know, you're getting the ball out quickly. And especially I give kudos to this offensive line for stepping up today. Um, You know, uh, Cody Ford was on the COVID list. I mean, Cody Ford's really not that good. In my opinion, he's shown that he's not that good. And, um, you know, I Butker went out um, with an Achilles injury. I don't know the extent of that injury. I'm sure we'll find out probably within the next couple hours or within um, at least by tomorrow. We'll find out um, what the extent of Ike Butker's injury is. Um, but being able to where it was basically um, Deion Dawkins was on the COVID list and 24 hours before the game, they find he's going to you know, he's ready to go. And, um, you know, obviously Butker, when Butker went out, I was like there, I feel like there was no room to, there was no need to panic because you already have, um, then you'd have Deion Dawkins going back to left tackle. And then you would have, um, I think it was Ryan Bates that ended up replacing, uh, Ike Butker, Mitch Morris been extremely solid at center, and then you put Spencer Brown on the right tackle, and and then put Darrell Williams at uh, um, right guard. It was really almost like their whole offensive line just was was basically kind of what it was supposed to be, except for the exception of left guard. And eventually, you know, Feliciano should be coming back from uh, COVID. Um, for the game against Atlanta. Yeah, and I mean, going forward, is Ryan Bates a guy you're going to start at guard? I mean, has he ever made a start for the Bills outside of yesterday's game? I don't think he has. And if he has, he's only made a max of three starts for this team that I remember as of recent. And Ryan Bates coming in, switching from right guard early on to left guard, that was huge. Ryan Bates probably was maybe outside of Deion Dawkins, the best Buffalo Bill on the offensive line. Yesterday against the New England Patriots, Spencer Brown is very solid as well. I mean, all, all, our whole offensive line in general just played well. Like, I don't think we can just pinpoint a standout player. I mean, they all just came to play. It was just that that touchdown to Isaiah McKenzie on fourth down. I know the Patriots only sent three uh, three rushers. They sent three a lot. There yeah. was a, They sent three or four a lot. They, I can't remember. They... They sent a lot of people and had them dropping into coverage. It wasn't like a normal, you know, I I was really, really surprised that they were just going to let Josh Allen just sit back there and just try and be a quarterback. Yeah. That was a terrible game plan by um, Bill Belichick. And 
Can I just say that I I think that this defense just proved why they are the why they basically they proved why Mac Jones is a rookie quarterback. And a lot of times I was like wondering like, hmm, I wonder if he's going to end up winning like offensive rookie of the year because of I'm not saying his numbers were off the charts, but he was winning football games and it was and, and like I was like gosh if he wins offensive rookie of the year I'm going to be really disappointed kind of like with you know I will say Justin Herbert when he won offensive rookie of the year last year I had no really no problem with it but this year if it doesn't go to Jamar Chase I will be really upset yeah Jamar Chase is really overturned uh that Bengals offense last year I believe they were dead last in explosive plays they draft Jamar Chase in the first round they're number one in explosive plays I mean we all saw it yesterday. Joe Burrow had 525 yards passing yesterday yeah, 525 like... four touchdowns almost a perfect passer rating if not a perfect passer rating Joe Burrow now granted he did go up against the very depleted Ravens secondary but still these are NFL players and at the end of the day Joe Burrow torched them for 525 and four touchdowns. And a big part of that was Jamar Chase. I believe he had seven receptions for 125 yard, uh, for 125 yards and a big win uh, over the Ravens, which was kind of similar to the, the Bills' win over the Patriots. They both gave us the lead in the AFC, in the AFC East, and the AFC North for, uh, for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So, again, like, if Mac Jones was completely winning games, like, if, if he beat the Colts last week, if he... Oh. beat the Bills yesterday. Now you have to give him heavy consideration to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year award or just the Rookie of the Year in general. Um, I mean, that you would have had to give him like big consideration, but what Jamar Chase is doing is really special. It's really special, and it's, and it's what almost uh, Justin Jefferson was doing last year. And, he's, and Jamar, Jamar Chase is a special talent. He might not be the Devontae Adams in route running. He might not have the hands that DeAndre Hopkins has. He might not be the downfield threat that Julio Jones was in his prime, but he's a he's a mixture of all of those. He's got some very good route running. He's got really good hands. What we thought he had bad hands coming into the preseason. He's a big downfield threat. Obviously, it's showing for what he's doing for the Bengals offense. Because outside of T. Higgins, before they got Jamar Chase, they really didn't have a downfield threat, and that's allowing guys like Tyler Boyd to go downfield more. Like we saw Tyler Boyd get three for eighty-five last uh, yesterday's game. I mean, when's the last time and, and we saw the, Tyler Boyd being a deep threat? Tyler Boyd was always that slot guy, work the intermediate underneath type stuff. But when you have a guy like Jamar Chase on the outside, that will open up almost uh, anything for anyone. And having a threat in the backfield with Joe Mixon, this is honestly the most, you know, no disrespect to the Bills. They have a great roster um, with their offense, but it is not compared to... You have two deep threats with that can spread the field with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who are both young and on rookie contracts. Then you have, um, and then you have Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield, um, who is a solid running back. And then you have um, uh, Tyler Boyd, who is great out of the slot. And then you have a Heisman. You know, I don't want to. People were uh, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN this morning was he put Joe Burrow in his top uh, the, as the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. He like 
he I don't remember what his exact number like his exact numbers were, but he put Joe Burrow ahead of Josh Allen and no disrespect to Joe Burrow, but Josh Allen is a way better quarterback than Joe Burrow. Yeah, like to me on uh my my opinion on that, uh Joe Burrow just what a week or two ago is barely even considered a top ten quarterback in the NFL. He's like right now people rank him thirteenth in the I, NFL. Personally. I think he's a I think he's a top seven. I think he's top probably, seven. Yeah. I don't know if I'd put him that high. I'd put him more in the range of like eight to twelve, personally. Uh to me, like my, my top quarterbacks in the NFL, undoubtedly number one and number two is Mahomes and Rodgers. You can discuss whether you want one or two there. Um they're both phenomenal. Number three in my opinion is Allen. Four I have Herbert. Five, I would probably slip in Brady. He's still playing at an elite level. He doesn't have the elite I traits. I honestly would put Brady over Allen. I'd probably put Brady at three, Allen at four, honestly. No, you know, obviously I'm not, I don't want to sound like a homer, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm on the idea of Tom Brady, like, I've kind of had to come to grips with the fact that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I hated having to do that, but I had to do it. And um but I, I and he's forty four. He could have he has basically two Hall of Fame careers in his thirties, because he wasn't great in his twenties when he first started playing with New England. I mean, obviously he had, you know, three Super Bowls in his 20s, but in his 30s, he had MVPs and all that accolades and, you know, Super Bowls. And then when he get into his, well, in his 30s, excuse me, when he get in his 30s, Super Bowls, accolades, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then we have in his, he's now 44 and he's still putting up these big time numbers and is probably the front runner to win NFL MVP this year. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as saying he's the NFL MVP. Uh, I, I still think Aaron Rodgers could be considered above him. Oh, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is probably having the better season, in my opinion. And to the fact, the only reason I have Allen and Herbert over Brady at this point in time is not because I'm dissing Brady or it's nothing that he's done in the past. It's that, as of right now... I would at least put... Brady, I, put, I would at least put Brady over Herbert because right. Herb, after as that's, I said, that's after, fair. That's fair. The after only reason, the that only, game that was that was not pretty yeah. by Justin. Herbert. The only reason I have Herbert over Brady is just at this point in time, I feel like I could do more with Herbert. I can do more. I can I can have a base structured offense, and I don't have to worry about having a good offensive line. I don't have to worry about having depleted receivers. I, if I have Herbert. I know what I can get with him. I I know I can have a guy who's going to get out of the pocket and he can run. You know, that that in the third. Like right now, the state Brady's in, he needs at least an average offensive line. Just because he's not like what he once was. And it's just not a knock on Brady. He's still a top five quarterback. If you want to take Brady over Allen or Herbert, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Because I, I, I feel like all those guys are so close as at right now, right now that you can take Brady over Herbert. And Allen, and then like probably after that, I probably have Kyler at six, but I've never been like a huge. I've been a F- Kyler fan, but I'm not a. I'm not a huge. I, I think he is honestly overrated, in my opinion. 
Yeah. He so. was not he was maybe average to above average at best prop in his rookie year. Then he got DeAndre Hopkins and they had that Hail Mary play against the Bills and that was the only thing they did cuz they ended up like losing the rest of the games all their the the rest of their season which in my opinion is ridiculous, you know, that that's why when people were just keep talking about that Hail Mary play, oh, is it you know, ten years like a year ago today, we had the Hail Murray, and I was like, and I go, well, what'd you do with it? We didn't do anything. We just finished nine and seven. Exactly. We took that, won the rest of our games up until the AFC Championship game, and went thirteen and three, and had our quarterback be runner-up in MVP voting. In my opinion, well. I mean, I would say that I think Josh Allen should have won MVP that year, but also Rodgers had an unbelievable season last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought that in in all honesty, that was ever since the the second half of the Tampa Bay game, I think that Josh Allen has been playing like he was last season. I mean, he's been playing great. And he's the first quarterback to have um, over 100 passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in his first four seasons. I think that's um, an extreme accomplishment. I don't, you know, people compare him to Cam Newton. People compare him to Ben Roethlisberger. I honestly would probably better yet compare him to Steve Young, honestly. That's uh, that is where I see him, a quarterback that has a great arm and can move out of the pocket. Yeah, but this is the thing. Like, Josh Allen, I don't think we've ever seen a quarterback like Josh Allen. Probably, I, no. arguably, have the best arm in the league. He's probably the best red zone threat in the league with any any position. Receiver, running back, quarterback, tight end, anything. He's probably the best red zone threat in the league. His rushing totals are insane. He you got to think, like, a third of this guy's touchdowns almost is it like he's a third of his touchdowns uh are ru- are rushing compared to his passing like that that's insane like Josh Allen might be his own quarterback and there's just nothing you nothing you can compare him to there's I've never seen a quarterback like Josh Allen a guy who can throw the ball through 50 mile an hour wins and then can run with the ball through 50 mile an hour wins it's something that we just have never seen a quarterback that like I mentioned has the arm strength that he does with the size, the mobility, everything else he does. It's just it's just hard to compare. You can't really just talk about it. You just got to say, Josh Allen's his own quarterback. Sit back and watch. I, I you know, I was uh, on Twitter and I saw that, what was it? It was Colin Coward um, on um, Fox Sports. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I, I used to not like him because I felt like he was just a, always a, LeBron lover and all that stuff. But when he talks about how he he's basically saying that Josh Allen is a once in a franchise type of athlete and no disrespect to Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly was obvious is obviously as of right now, the greatest quarterback in franchise history. I think Josh Allen will eventually, I, I don't know if Josh Allen will be better than Jim Kelly. If that means if he if like if he wins an MVP or if he wins a Super Bowl, um, but he has been so much better 
Um, he's already had um, over a hundred yards passing. Excuse me, a hundred passing touchdowns, and you know he now joins uh, uh, Jim Kelly and uh, and Joe Ferguson as the only Bills quarterbacks to do it. But he's he's really becoming a once in a franchise type of athlete. Yeah, when we compare uh, Josh Allen to Jim Kelly, I don't really think it's fair to compare them those two because they're two different styles of quarterbacks different eras obviously that 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 era of the 90s i mean they were throwing the football a lot but there was still an emphasis on running the ball and you also had you know i mean he had what on his offense he had like three hall of famers on his offense i think yeah Yeah, he, he had it was obviously Jim's a Hall of Famer. Then you got Thurman, Andre Reed, and um, James Lofton, and he had a, per, in my opinion, I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kent Hall, who was one of the smartest centers ever in the NFL, um, but it was it was definitely a inter- It was a great, um, you know, it, like you were saying, it's hard to compare the two because they both came in in different styles mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. Yeah, and they're both just two different quarterbacks in general. And at the point in time, I mean, if this is how you want to compare the two quarterbacks in franchise history, it's like, where were their peaks? I mean, was was Jim Kelly ever... Uh, how many MVP votes does Jim Kelly have in his career, do you know? I he, think zero, because zero. he was never... I don't know if he was ever up for MVP. Probably his best season was... The 91 season, um, 91 season when they went to the second Super Bowl, um, and he had his probably the most touchdown passes in his career. And But that season, that's when Thurman Thomas was arguably the best player in the I NFL. Think when Thurman, I think Thurman, Thurman won MVP that year. Yeah, 91. Yeah, and the, and the point I'm trying to make is when you're comparing the two, the only physical way I think you can actually compare the two is their peak when they played was they Josh Allen in 2020 was a top two quarterback in the NFL, you know. Now when we're pointing like throughout their careers, I think realistically through over the next decade, Josh will undoubtedly be a top three quarterback in the NFL with Mahomes and Herbert. Yeah, I, I was think Kelly what, what, ever a top three quarterback through that stretch through the ten years mm, in a row? Probably not because you. I mean, there was always there were great quarterbacks. You had Al, the Elways to the Marinos to um, gosh Montana Young, Montana Young, and also um, Aikman stuff like that. You you had some great quarterbacks. I don't think there was ever a time where someone said. I mean, maybe in 1990 when they led the league in passing, I think, or led the AFC in passing. They, they, I, I'm, assur- I'm assuming you probably could have said that they were the best. He was the best quarterback in the NFL at the time, but um, you know it. It's definitely like you're saying. It's hard to comp- It's almost like trying to compare Michael Jordan to LeBron James. They're both uh, played in different times. Where you know, my, Michael played when scoring was, you know, it's it was a lot harder to get score and get 100 points in a game and in this one in you know in the NBA now it's almost common if you don't get 100 points it's just like gosh you're really like they they make stats for how many times you know they hold teams under 100 points 
yeah, it's a, I mean, you basically kind of touched on it in itself. Different eras, different quarterbacks in general. I mean, Josh Allen and Jim Kelly are completely just polar opposites at the quarterback position. I don't think it would be really fair to really compare the two. If you want to say Josh Allen was better, if you want to predict Josh Allen will be better for the Bills franchise than Jim Kelly ever was, if he wins the Super Bowl, maybe, sure. But at the end of the day, like they're just two different quarterbacks. Jim got us to four Super Bowls. That's never been done in NFL history in general. It's going to take a lot to dethrone Jim Kelly as the all-time greatest quarterback in Bill's franchise history. Yeah. I mean, eventually, if he keeps this trajectory that he is on, he will. And, um, you know, one thing I always like to think about is uh, with how this— a couple years ago, um, before Josh started to, you know, start taking off and being what he is now— People were like saying, well, why uh, like people were regretting the Bills trading the Mahomes pick. Looking back at it now, I mean, yeah, Mahomes has a Super Bowl. But right now, I think the Bills, I think it was more of a fair, uh, it was an even trade. I think the Bills have more assets than they did, uh, than the Chiefs did. The Chiefs got their quarterback and they kind of already were set up to win for many, many years. The Bills were kind of like still down on the totem pole, and they were just on the rise. Yeah, but looking back at it, it's a win for both teams, honestly. I don't think we can pinpoint one team a winner and one team a loser. Because obviously, you know, if you want to pinpoint an identi- like identify an actual winner, sure, you want to give it to the Chiefs. They got the Super Bowl. They got their guy. They got their MVP quarterback. They got the best quarterback in the league. Sure, cool. But we got a guy who's... Probably the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes in the NFL in Josh Allen, who's a top three quarterback in my opinion. You got an all pro corner in Trey White, and you got a couple other assets through that as well. They got Tremaine Edmonds yeah. in that deal because they got basically so that what uh, the key the three key players the Bills got were obviously the um, uh, when they got the twenty they traded down to twenty seven got Tre'Davious White who in my opinion is probably the second-best corner, maybe next to Jalen Ramsey, or even the best best to second-best corner in the NFL. If he didn't get injured um, and tore his ACL, I think he would have... He didn't give up a touchdown this entire season. And he would have... He would have got. He probably would have gotten a Pro Bowl nod and possibly All-Pro nod um, again. Uh, you also have your... I don't know if he's going to be your franchise middle linebacker because he has had problems, especially with the game last night, of over-pursuing. Um, but it, for with Tremaine Edmonds, he's played really well. He's the, the quarterback of your defense. And then you have your actual quarterback. Now, they had that with their own pick, but also they had other picks to be able to use to get that. So basically that you got out of one trade, you got the three big cornerstones of your team, your lockdown corner, your, your quarterback of the defense and your franchise quarterback. Yeah. And it's just a big win. Like obviously like touching on Tremaine Edmonds, he's been up and down this season. One time, one game, he has a great game. The next game, he's completely out of the play, and he has no idea what's going on, it seems like. And I love Tremaine Edmonds. I've been an Edmonds defender. But at the end of the day, like, I I don't know if this is a hot take, but should the Bills should the Bills start A.J. Klein at middle linebacker? No. No? No. 
No, 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 no. I, 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 I get the idea, but you're not taking your captain out of the lineup and putting him at middle linebacker. It's just he's he's 23. He's young. He's, I think, in my opinion, he's on his fit. He's on his. Uh, they're gonna give. He has his uh, fifth year option. They they picked it up. I think they'll sign him. I don't know how long term they'll sign him, but I think that he is a big part of your defense. Kind of like you know, like with Matt Milano. I didn't think they were going to sign him, but um, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll get into it more. We we're going to take a quick break. Eight seven eight fifty one zero four is uh, the phone number if you would like to call and give us your thoughts and opinion on the Bills' big win over the New England Patriots. And are the Bills now in the driver's seat to basically, you know, win the Super Bowl? We'll take your phone calls. Eight seven eight fifty one zero four is the number here on ninety one point three FM WBNY. Finding a job in the bartending industry can be rough. You need to be employed to get experience, and in order to get experience, you need to be employed. Here enters Bartenders Professional Training Institute, licensed by the New York State Education Department, training students since 1992. Located at 3815 Delaware Avenue in Kenmore is a 40-hour intensive hands-on training featuring an alcohol awareness certification, as well as learning about the different kinds of beer, wine, liquors, and everything in between. You leave this institute with confidence and security inside their job placement program, as well as knowledge about the industry and customer service skills. With a completely flexible schedule, you can finish the class in as little as two weeks. For more information, call 716-874-9112 or visit www.bartenderprotraining.com. Hi, I'm Ben Affleck. The only thing better than playing a hero in the movies is being a hero in real life. Like the 50,000 veterans who returned from Iraq and Afghanistan with devastating injuries. They are true heroes, and they're why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America. They make sure veterans with spinal cord injuries get the care and support they need at no cost to them. To learn more, visit pva.org. That's pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. <laughs> now this one is brutal and wild. Yes, Buffalo, once again, you are in tune with the Stepping Out Sound Session. Your host, Universal, here every Sunday night, 5 to 9 p.m., 913 WBNY Buffalo. DJ Universal in the place. Stepping Out Sound Session, reggae radio, every Sunday night, 5 to 9 p.m., 913 WBNY Buffalo. Ready for radio that's challenging, innovative, and encouraging? Tune in, living for the people. This is L. Nathan Hare. Join me right here, 91.3 FM WBNY, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 9 a.m. after Amy Goodman's Democracy Now! We'll provide objective analysis regarding current issues. Call 878-5104. It's Living for the People on 91.3 FM WBNY. 91.3 FM WBNY is proud to present Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Welcome to Democracy Now! Award-winning investigative journalism. Is the NRA imploding? Providing relevant analysis that makes you think. Secret State Department documents. 
including evidence of U.S. war crimes. Fact-finding reports you will not hear elsewhere. Democracy Now! airs Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. on 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right, they can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Algún día enseñaré química a los niños. Yo seré arquitecta. Sueño con ser un chef. Este mundo ofrece grandes posibilidades. Un mundo en que las personas que se lo proponen realmente pueden hacer una diferencia. En la Oficina de Ayuda Federal para Estudiantes del Departamento de Educación de los Estados Unidos, proporcionamos más de 150 mil millones de dólares en subvenciones, préstamos y fondos para trabajo y estudios, haciendo posible que cualquier persona, en cualquier etapa de su vida, pueda cursar estudios superiores. Puedo volver a la universidad. Puedo cambiar de profesión. Puedo contribuir a lograr un mundo diferente. Ayuda Federal para Estudiantes, orgulloso patrocinador de la mente americana. Entérese más sobre el dinero que se ofrece para la universidad en studentaid.gov. United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and America's largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal law enforcement agencies through our many varied programs, including free safety equipment donations, free officer survival training, cash donations, and condolence letters to the family of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty. USDSA also offers college scholarships for the dependent children of law enforcement along with the citizen awareness program and thank you cards to law enforcement. These are just some of the ways United States Deputy Sheriff's Association assists America's law enforcement and the citizens they serve. For more information about United States Deputy Sheriff's Association or to see how you can help, visit www.usdeputy.org. United States Deputy Sheriff's Association, taking training to the next level because lives are on the line. Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. That was Bill Belichick on his post-game show after the Bills' loss. I'm, I'm not gonna be. I'm not disappointed, like upset at the reporter, um, because she she's doing her job. She she's got a she was her her news director or whoever her editor basically told her um you go out and ask about New Year's resolutions and we want to know what Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots do, has any New Year's resolutions and 
I felt really bad because that was probably something you shouldn't ask that guy, after, especially after a loss. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, well, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, but I found it to I felt really bad for I don't know who she was or what like what uh, newspaper or what she was. Well, obviously, it's for a newspaper because she sent her readers, but I, I felt really bad for her. I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, I didn't really have any initial thoughts on it, to be honest. I just kind of just was, I just scrolling through Twitter, saw it, and I'm like, I'm like, just like, I don't know. Just, I kind of felt bad for her because, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, she's just trying to do her job. She's got a question to ask. And they thought, hey, maybe Bill Belichick would answer this. That'd be cool if Bill Belichick, obviously, is probably the biggest thing in Boston, that area. Bill Belichick answers your New Year's resolution question. There you go. You got a nice headline for the paper. But as we saw last year when the Bills beat New England in New England, what did Bill Belichick do? He took his old phone, slammed it down. We obviously know Bill Belichick does not like losing to the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) And there's been two instances now. He shut down the New Year's resolution reporter, and he threw the phone. So, I mean, He's throwing tablets when the Bills have played in Fox Pearl 2. Yeah, like, personally, honest, honestly, it, like, if I was the coach of the New England Patriots, if I lost a game like that for the division lead, I probably wouldn't answer the question as well. I thought, honestly, if you—I really thought that—I thought he handled that pretty well, because— it could have been a lot worse where he could have just said he could have just done what Bill Belichick does and just doesn't. And he would like she honestly sounded terrified asking this question, especially after they I don't want to say they got embarrassed, but they they basically when you when your defense can't force a punt, that kind of makes it a little bit embarrassing, especially when you're a defensive-minded head coach and everybody talks about how much your defense is so good. I, you know, like I like I mentioned, I, I feel kind of bad for the reporter because she's just trying to do her job and I feel like she was put in a situation where she couldn't have... Where where I felt like she wasn't going to get the answer she wanted. Now, wouldn't it have been funny if one of the reporters asked, Hey, Bill, isn't it embarrassing that you couldn't force a punt all game? Remember, remember a couple Jerry weeks ago? Jerry Sullivan? Yeah. yeah. Remember when, when Hyde and Poyer got asked that question? That, I honestly think that... I don't think he would... I don't think they would have... Well, Bill would have answered funny. it. Yeah. That would have been funny. <laughs> that would have been funny if you're sitting back listening to the post-game, post-game uh, press conference with Bill and this question, Hey, Bill. Is it embarrassing that you could not force a punt all game? That would have been that would have been a little. I mean, we should have just sent Jerry Sullivan in there just asking that <laughs> question. Undercover, undercover New England media. That would that would have been uh, that would have been that would have uh, that would have been a good laugh. Yeah, I I thought I thought that he, like I said, with Bill Belichick has he is known for not giving a lot away during press conferences i thought that this was this was a question that he was just like i don't want to i don't want to answer it he was just like not at the moment i'm and i also think that it should not have been because i'm sure all that's on his mind is the game now i i would suggest if she tries to do this again you should she should have probably gone during the middle of the week 
when questions there there could be more opens for questions and instead of you know because this game was basically like yesterday was basically any questions had to be about the game yeah i mean at the end of the day he at the end of the at the end of the video he did say that he will give her an answer he said maybe next week yeah so i think that probably he has to do it within this well Honestly, he could probably do it next week because New Year's... I mean, New Year's Day is on Saturday, and the game is on, obviously, Sunday. He could, you know, he could, you know, you could be... If you don't know what your New Year's resolution is, and you could, you know, start it up. And, you know, that's what... Do you have any New Year's resolutions? As of right now, I do not. Um... I, I don't know. I The last couple of years, I just have not had New Year's resolutions. I've just been kind of steadily going throughout the year, letting things come at me and figure everything out and just kind of play it like play it like how it is, play it, like go on with the day. I, I haven't really, I'm not a big New Year's resolution kind of guy. Maybe start going to the gym a little more, but <laughs> I say that every year. Yeah, that, that that's what I feel like with a lot of people is almost everybody is i want to get back in shape that's my new year's resolution my my new year's resolution is to try and start reading a little bit more cuz i'm always on my phone or on the computer or watching espn watching tv or something like that and i just think that the i i think that i'd want to you know getting i i need to get back into reading it's it's like something where you just you feel like you don't have the free time to do it or you just don't it's not some the first thing that comes to your mind that you want to do um i i person i i really want to i hope that belichick gets gives her an answer or something like that you know cuz he can be ruthless and i thought that that was probably the best way you could have handled it yeah speaking of uh staying on topic with the patriots and bill belichick Got to look at the Patriots' next two games. But the only game that I'm really interested in is their Week 18 matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that 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 game is... That's probably the only game where I could honestly see the Patriots... I mean, they lost to them Week 1, so I, I can't see why won't they lose to them again. Um, well, we also know the Dolphins are playing the Saints tonight. And the mm-hmm. Dolphins are on what a six-game winning streak as of right now. Yes, and it, they have not lost ever since they lost to Buffalo. Yeah, which which sounds crazy. You know, I also found it uh, insane. Well, not really insane, but crazy when I heard that this was the first the first win for the Bills that were back-to-back wins since the Kansas City game. The Kansas City game was the last time they won two or more games in a row. And they just kept going win-loss, 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 and then loss-loss, and then win-win. And they're in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny. And I don't want to say Atlanta is a tough team to play, but they're definitely... I wouldn't take them for granted because they do have seven wins, so... But also, they are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Actually, the two worst teams on forcing punts are the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
not surprised the Jets are up and uh, down on that list. But at the end of the day, like the Atlanta Falcons are a 500 football team. They, mm-hmm. they are a 500 football team. They're still going to give you solid quarterback play with Matt Ryan. They have Kyle Pitts, who just broke the Atlanta Falcons franchise record for most yards by a tight end in franchise history. History, And he's doing it as a rookie. That guy's sensational. Cordell Patterson has been an interesting story for them this year. They have some other playmakers as well. Their defense is up and down. But at the end of the day, they're a 500 football team, and you cannot take 500 football teams for granted. It's going to be an interesting game. This could be a trap game, honestly. Well, I don't think that there's really such a thing as a trap game when it comes to the Bills because they what they've been preaching this entire season is the next, the most important game is the next one. And they have not gotten to the point where they're just like, yeah, we're looking towards, you know, I don't know how focused they were on Kansas City. I know that they're going to, I think inside their focus, they like for the New England game, ever since they lost, they had, even though that like when they were playing Carolina, they knew they were playing Carolina and obviously, you know, Carolina was, and they obviously showed why Carolina was, is terrible. And honestly, my opinion, I also want, we'll get into coaches who should be on the hot seat because um, there was a, a report from Adam Schefter that came out um, yesterday that I want to talk about. Um, I think that Matt Rule should be on the hot seat. I don't think he will because of the fact that he is only in his second year and he has not had a good quarterback nor a good healthy Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Matt Rule, I mean, at the end of the day, he kind of constructed his own destiny by bringing in Sam Darnold. He had a big say in that, obviously. He brought in Sam Darnold, so he, he basically picked his quarterback. And, dude, if you're an owner and... They, I mean, they didn't give up a haul for Sam Darnold, but they gave up a second and a fourth, I believe. And if you're an owner and you're looking at, okay, you gave up a second, you gave up a fourth for a guy who played pretty solid the first three or four games of the season, then tailed off a little bit, got hurt, came back, but had a couple nice throws, but they still lost to the Bucks by a lot. I mean, that, that, that's telling because, like, when a quarterback's being brought into the team, it's not just the GM putting puzzle pieces together saying, hey, we're going to do this. The head coach, the offensive coordinator, everyone has to be in on that. And Matt Rule had to be a huge part of that. And he's bringing a guy like Sam Darnold. Uh, like, I mean, come on. we Darnold, I know he got a rough outing with the Jets, but you're bringing in a guy like Sam Darnold who's just simply not a good NFL quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I thought that's, I always think, especially in the past couple years, if you were to redraft a 2018 draft with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rose, and Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, who do you think goes first? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I don't think it's even a debate. I even wonder, do you think Josh Allen would have the success that he has right now if he was with Cleveland? Are we are we taking Josh Allen and putting him in the spot Baker Mayfield was in, like his whole career? Yeah. No, he would not have the success he's had. I honestly think he probably would. If you have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, 
Nick Chubb in the backfield. The fact that he has played that bad is kind of mind-boggling to me. I think that um I you know, I think that Josh Allen, you know, we still will say that Josh Allen should have went number 1 um if we were to look at the draft um from last year. Um I I honestly think that uh he would have gone number 1. I don't I, th- this is a crazy thing. Like if we were redraft this, Josh Allen would have gone 1. Maybe Lamar Jackson would have gone two. Lamar definitely two. Um, I don't know where Saquon Barkley would have gone. I think he still would have been a first-round pick because he still has talent. Quentin Nelson's three. Oh, yeah, Quentin Nelson. Wilson, you can even argue Quentin Nelson, Mike. Like if, if we're dra- redrafting this from like, like best player at each position, Quentin Nelson's one. I mean, I mean, if we're if we're talking about like you're starting a team, you need a player. Yeah, you're gonna take Allen one, Lamar two, whatever. But if we're just simply talking like best NFL players at their each position, Quentin Nelson's one. Quentin Nelson's on pace to be a Hall of Famer. That guy, yeah, three all first team All Pros in his first three years in the league. It's probably and you have like top two like, offensive linemen in the league. You have you know first. First ten picks um, were Mayfield, Barkley, Darnold, Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen. Couple names that I don't haven't heard of. They haven't gotten a Pro Bowl, obviously. And then Josh Rosen. You want to you want to redo the top ten really quick? I have it up here. I I have the top ten from the 2018 draft. I mean, realistically, we're looking at. So do you want do you want to do this best player or if you're starting a team like a normal NFL draft? Um still even if even if we're going best player and obviously you're going to say Quentin Nelson, well, I mean they did have Tyrod Taylor, but I also still think that they needed a quarterback and so that's why they chose Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so realistically if we're starting this like starting an NFL team, Allen's one. It, undoubtedly, Allen's one. Lamar, two. I, if you're starting a team, like we're starting a yeah. team, we need, we need, you know, we need 53 guys. Uh, Lamar's two. And at this point, you'd probably have to go Quentin Nelson, three, because there's a huge drop-off between quarterbacks. I mean, if Baker, if Baker was a top-ten quarterback, I would go Baker. I would say Baker Mayfield would be a... Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, in that group of, what was it, five quarterbacks in that first round, Baker Mayfield is fifth. Not fifth, excuse me, third. So yeah, it probably, yeah. I I don't know if I'd want to say if if we're talking about those best quarterbacks, if probably right now based on the season that Lamar Jackson has had, and I think it's been really up and down. And in my opinion, I thought that, Josh had a Pro Bowl, really got snubbed from getting the Pro Bowl this year. Um, I think that, I think that Josh Allen should be, it should be Allen one, Jackson two, Baker Mayfield three, Donald four, and then Rosen five. And is this just first round quarterbacks? Well, that's true. I mean, you have Mason Rudolph, Mason Rudolph in the third round. I take Rudolph. I think Rudolph was a second round pick. I, I would. Definitely... I think it was a third round pick, if Let's I'm see. not mistaken. I, I'll, I'll look for it. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely 
definitely, I definitely would take Mason Rudolph over Josh Rosen. Um, yeah, he was yeah, a, th- was a third, third round pick, round pick yeah. um, seventy six. Yeah, like he could have been, he could have been a late first round pick if you think about it. Honestly, yeah, I mean, looking at the back half of the third, there's a couple good players. Isaiah Wynn obviously is doing good stuff for New England. DJ Moore is a top receiver in the league. Ridley is good when he's in there. Lamar Jackson, obviously being the steal of the draft at thirty two. I don't. I don't know how he dropped that low. Honestly, he had. He was. He was the one. I mean, he ended up winning MVP and he won the Heisman Trophy. You know what? Looking back at this, you can make an argument for Jerry Alexander going number two. Um, the way the way the way the scouts were looking at Lamar, and just the way he's played this year. Cornerback's the most important position on a defense outside of edge rusher, maybe. Would you? Would you? Jari's a top three corner. Would in you football. think that Mika Mika Fitzpatrick would have won top five? I mean, he went eleven mm. to Miami, and now he's with. Well, he's a safety, but he's I don't also, know. I would take Derwin James over Fitzpatrick. Would you take Denzel Ward over Fitzpatrick? You know. Yes. Okay. I have not heard I value, much. Of I value him. corners more important than safety. That's true. I have not heard much of a of uh, Denzel Ward. Um, I mean, obviously he it's, he's go- gone to a Pro Bowl, but um, Steaded, he's steadily solid a top ten corner in football. He can cover most receiver ones. He does his job well. He can shadow and zone. He's solid in man. He's not up there with the likes of Ramsey White, Alexander. You know. At the end of the day, Ward is a number one corner, and he he's he's been good. And in that secondary with Cleveland, with the likes of John Johnson, Greedy Williams, um, and all those other guys, Denzel Ward is obviously still the most standout player in that secondary, and he's been doing his uh, he's been doing a good job over there. And he's he's yeah he's probably a top ten corner, and I don't I don't think I'd take many corners over him. Uh, yeah, realistically, like probably be Allen one but like obviously you're gonna take a quarterback so be Allen one Lamar two Nelson three Alexander four looking at it Derwin James might be five Darius Leonard two six Roquan Smith Vita Vea I mean Minka Fitzpatrick I mean these guys are all all pro caliber players Jesse Bates that's an all-pro safety. Orlando Brown, Pro Bowl, Mark Andrews. Like this draft class is just more stacked and stacked. The more I look at it, I I know. Like it's obviously going to be looked at as you know the 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 quarterbacks in the in the top, but I I think that it's definitely you know it's it's a big 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 draft class and it's highlighted by the five quarterbacks all right we're gonna take another quick break and um we'll be back here um uh and we'll get some more thoughts on the bills victory over the new england patriots and have taken sole possession of first place in the afc east don't go away we'll be back in a couple minutes you're listening to the blitz here on 91.3 fm wbny 
Did you know there are laws in the U.S. that protect the safety and pay of farm workers? To learn more, call 866-4-US-WAGE. That's 866-4-US-WAGE or visit worker.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Labor. You're an essential worker, and the Department of Labor helps ensure you receive the protections you deserve. Visit our website or call 866-4-US-WAGE. That's 866-487-9243. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Labor. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities. A world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I gotta tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation, and it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting? Yeah. When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. Did you know that people born from 1945 to 1965 have the highest rates of hepatitis C, but most don't know they're infected? People can live for decades without symptoms, but over time, hepatitis C can cause serious health problems, including liver damage and even liver cancer. If you were born from 1945 to 1965, the CDC recommends that you get a blood test for hepatitis C. So talk to your doctor about getting tested. It could save your life. A message from the CDC. The Blitz, Talking Peace, Living for the People, Democracy Now!, and much more here on 91.3 FM, WBNY. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more at studentaid.gov. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. 
Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Don't live in Buffalo but want to listen to WBNY? No problem. Download the Radio FX app and listen to us anytime, anywhere. Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. 91.3 FM WBNY is Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We are in hour two of the of uh, the Blitz, and I'm here with, and this is like the, what I called like the Evan Squared um, show. Uh, we got um, a new our new ho- host on, and hopefully for the near future here at WBNY. Um, uh, I, I was, I don't know what we were, I can't even remember what we were talking about. Um, we were talking about the, like uh, the first play uh, with Singletary catching that ball and, having the the like big run after the catch like that's what I want to see from Devin Singletary. I don't need him to be getting I don't need him to be having 100-yard games. I want him to have if he can get maybe I don't if he could get roughly 100 yards from scrimmage, that would be I I would find that to be great. I I would want more of it to be a, a, more of a running uh style than a pat and then uh, him passing. Uh, I mean, you know, you have Devin Devin Singletary. I think is. I don't know if he he's not going to be the long term future at running back. I wouldn't be surprised if another. I don't think Zach Moss is probably going to be on the roster. Matt Breida is certainly not going to be on the roster next year. You'll have Singletary and probably a veteran, a, a little veteran running back, and then and then probably draft someone. Yeah, looking at the Buffalo Bills running game, realistically, we only need them to run when we need to. If it's second and one, you'd like to be able to run the ball and get positive yardage to continue to move the chains. And that's something that the Buffalo Bills offense has just lacked all year, realistically, up until these last couple games. And I think what Brian Dable and Sean McDermott have come to is Devin Singletary is the lead back. Yes. He is your one, two, three for a second, third down back. He is the guy who's going to get a majority of the touches. And we did see, and I, I wasn't mad about it, when they did bring out Devin Singletary and they did bring in Zach Moss. Zach Moss played well. And I'm and I'm going to come out and say, I was a Zach Moss believer at the start of the year, and I kind of got off the Zach Moss train and you know, went towards the, not Zach Moss hatred, but kind of the Zach Moss, like, okay, dude, you're not doing your job. You're not getting the positive yardage. You're not being that bulldoze third and one back that we thought you were going to be out of Utah. And him coming in, he had a couple nice catches. He had a couple nice blocks. He had a couple missed blocks. But when Zach Moss had the ball in his hands, he got his positive yardage. He did his job well, and and I'm glad he did that. Because I want to see Zach Moss do well, and I want to see Devin Singletary do well, and they have been playing very well over the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. I thought that honestly, one of my favorite parts of the game was seeing just like I really saw very few negative plays, and this was one of my favorite moments of the game, and um. 
hopefully, uh, and th- this was from Good Morning Football, and this was, obviously, this is the play, and uh, this is Stefan Diggs having some uh, choice words for New England fans. <laughs> when I I originally when I heard it live, I did not hear that. But when I but when I was on Twitter and I saw you 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 shut the front door or you know obviously we can't we can't curse on the air and obviously I use that because um there's a bleep in it but that is. That's what I love about Stefan Diggs. Like, I got so, like, uh, do you know that he actually almost went to the Patriots? Yeah, uh, back when he actually was asking for a trade, there's a lot of speculation with him and Odell Beckham on, on the New England Patriots. And I'm glad he's not on New England because that guy's a heck of a talent and having him around in Buffalo. Just and also it- Tom Brady would have stayed in New England. That's the reason why they wanted Diggs is because they wanted to keep Brady in New England. And obviously Brady left and Diggs got signed, uh, got traded to the Bills. And I was hearing like on um, WGR this morning that there was like this one this one player that um, it was a while ago. I don't recall the name, but he wanted to. He was with San Francisco, and he was thinking about signing with the Bills. And he just uh, like his girlfriend or something like that just decides to say, "I don't want to live in Buffalo." Like I, I feel like that it comes with like everybody who doesn't who has not been to Buffalo, they can say, "I don't want to play in Buffalo." And then as soon as you come to Buffalo, you're like, this is like one, this is like a great place to live and stuff like that. The people here are fantastic and they love their football and stuff like that. So, you know, I honestly, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you get into what you want to say, but I said that Stefan Diggs basically told everybody in the Boston media to basically shut up. Yeah, and when that happened, I thought he actually said something different at first. I'm not going to say it. Well, we could what what word did you think he said? Suck my Ah, yeah. That that's what I thought I heard uh when I was watching the game live and I heard, saw someone post on the internet uh saying that he said that. So that's what I thought about for the first hour. And then I saw it, someone posted a, a, a clearer video, and I actually heard it better, and I heard that. And I was like, wow, like, first of all, I love Stefan Diggs. I'm so glad he's in Buffalo. You can't say enough about this guy. You know, I've met him a couple times, you know, walking downtown or at the Bills Stadium, whatever. Such a great guy. He's an even better football player. He's a diva receiver. Yeah, when that came out... um, I don't understand what it means to be... Problem like, in a locker room. Yeah, I, 
I almost don't understand what it means to be a diva receiver. I mean, what does it mean to be a diva receiver? The guy wasn't getting the ball. The guy wants the ball. The guy's a winner. The guy wants to be involved in football games. The guy he, wants to go out on the field and make plays and contribute to an offense. And it, it wasn't happening in Minnesota. He was in a system where the prime, the primarily thing that they did was run the ball. Yeah, it was a 55-45 split. And he... I don't remember how many targets he had his last year in Minnesota, but basically, like, didn't he have like 153 catches in? I could be wrong about this, but didn't he have 153 catches last year? Uh, no, he had 127 on 153 targets. Oh, okay. Yep. So, so I, would, I think I think throughout the playoffs, if we want to count a couple games, he might have gotten to like 143 in general with the two playoff games on top of that. But no, Diggs had 123, 127 receptions last year. And I believe that before that in Minnesota, I want to say he might have only had like 91, se- 91 70, targets. I thought it was in his 70s. Last. 91 targets. Oh, yeah. You're giving a guy like Stefan Diggs 91 targets. I think after last game, Diggs passed that target amount with receptions. Just, just, just last game. And it's insane. And it's insane that... Minnesota didn't want to keep a guy like that around, and obviously they have Justin Jefferson. So it's it's again it's another payoff for both teams. I don't I don't think Minnesota fans are mad that they got Jefferson over Diggs. Obviously he's much younger and he's probably got a brighter future as of now. But the Bills acquiring Diggs in that trade really just gave Josh Allen a receiver to rely on. I mean th- that play third and ten, we need to pick up the first down. What does Josh Allen do? He's scrambling out left, tosses the ball. You're not most quarterbacks are not tossing that ball to a guy like Jake Kumaro or Isaiah Hodgins or even Emmanuel Sanders. They're not. But Josh Allen has so much trust in a guy like Stefan Diggs that he'll roll left, buy more time. And Diggs is so smart that he'll he sits. He's like, Okay, I, my my quarterback's doing this. I'm gonna do this. And Josh just kind of pitches the ball to him. Tosses it, and he did, and he and did like, that to Knox too. What's on going the, on? The basically yeah, I, the the game ceiling touchdown. Yeah, and when when Josh did that, I'm like, what's going on? Diggs, Diggs has the ball. He had six. Uh, he had sixty three receptions in his last season with Minnesota. Yep, and I believe it was on ninety one targets. That that's that's absurd. And again, I. To be fair, they are in a run first system, but at the end of the day, if you're in a run first system, and you're not winning the way that the Bills are winning, your star receiver is going to be mad. And I mm-hmm. would be rightfully so, too. You're you're that talented, and I would not... I don't want to say that Diggs' talent level it was being wasted in Minnesota. It wasn't. I don't think it was. It was just... I mean... I, I, I think that, like we, were, like we were saying, he was in the wrong system because... He want, he wanted the ball, and plus he also had to deal with Adam. I don't want to say deal with, but he had to share the ball with Adam Thieland. And Adam Thieland is a solid number two. He's definitely not a number one, but he's a really, really good wide receiver for um, the uh, for the Vikings. And, you know, it really worked out for both teams. Like, there have been trades, like, with the... Um, with uh the um like the Bucks trade when we traded the Bucks pick and we got Josh Allen they got Vitavea and with the Diggs trade we got Diggs and they got Justin Jefferson now 
I don't know how well Allen and Justin Jefferson would have gelled together um, in in because you know he hasn't been you know he hasn't played in the NFL. I think that I I think like man, if we had Justin Jefferson, I wonder what it would have looked like. I think I don't think that Josh Allen would have put up. I I think he still would have had great numbers, but I don't think he would have been considered the MVP. And I don't know how much of a you don't hear much about Justin Jefferson compared to Stephon Diggs because like you know I mean maybe it's because we don't pay attention to the Minnesota um, media and uh, in Minneapolis, but let me tell you that they are basically they had the same mentality, you know. Eight seven eight fifty one zero four is the number. This is one thing that's been just bugging me ever since that, ever since this loss, uh, the lo- the the loss to New England on Monday night. Um, this was uh, dug up from the uh, post game from uh, from the Patriots, like on the Boston media side of things. And when you hear it now, it's just like it's just glorious. Sean McDermott saying, don't <clears throat> give Bill Belichick and the Patriots too much credit. He that was jaw-dropping. Like, we should have played some better football. Holly, you're throwing your hands up. What's that you? The whole team's in denial. Yep. They are. The whole team's in denial. Yep. So Not true. So Sean McDermott clearly has I knew it. That's why I said, let's wait. Let's wait. Mm-hmm. Beginning of post-game live, let's just wait around for Sean McDermott. I said he's going to say something snarky. Yep. He's going to be petty. Once again, he is. He doesn't want He's to give credit petty. to Belichick. He knows they they failed to adjust to the game plan. They failed to adjust quickly. He's in denial. His no, players are in denial, going no, at the media not. over a very fair question about their their porous run defense. So the Patriots really, Curran, uh, they did a wonderful job tonight. They won the game, and they were able to take away the – the 11-month reign of the Buffalo Bills is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Atop the yeah. AFC East, they're done. It was a Never nice, to return, maybe. Not, didn't even last a calendar year. We're they, done. They, Bye-bye. Again, they made them apply tongue to the hardened white turd <laughs> on the playground <laughs> by pressing their head down onto it. And that's unfortunate for the Bills, and they don't want to talk about it. I can... uh, the 11th-month run, they had a three-week run. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy your three-week run. Like, honestly, the like, Boston media, they're so biased to New England because they've been good for 20 years. And, like, just, ugh. That, that, ugh. I, that, this is why, in my opinion, if I ever have the opportunity to get a job in journalism. We're both journalists and journalism majors. If we get a job in Boston media, I will not want to work in Boston sports because of the fact that I know that these people in in the Boston media for sports are just idiots. Yeah, Boston media going throughout... I'll just identify the two major sports I follow, the NHL and the NFL. I mean, realistically, they're always going to be biased because that's all that they're accustomed to is, quote-unquote, winning. That's all they are. That's that's all they see is, is their teams winning games or winning championships. Most kids that are, what, 10 years old, 
from the the day that they were born. How many championships throughout the four major sports have they have they watched? They, I mean, if you're if you're 12 years old, you've watched a Boston Celtics championship. You've watched the Bruins raise the Stanley Cup. You've watched New England win multiple Super Bowls. You've watched the Red Sox be good. And win World Series. Yeah, win World Series. Like, that's all that they're accustomed to. And I feel like that comes to a point when they're talking about their teams. It's kind of almost hard not to be biased, you know? I feel like if the I feel like if Buffalo had four major sports teams and we were just accustomed to winning, I feel like I feel like all of our media would, would almost be like that. Like I don't want to say we would. I, yes. But like they're just so accustomed to winning that like when they're talking about their teams it's almost hard not to be biased, and I hate I hate listening to biased sports fans. But at the end of the day, like that's all they know is winning, and when they do win, it just kind of comes back and just pops right back in their brain. They're almost like, "We're winners. We we are winners. We are not losers. We have never been losers. We're we are Boston sports. You know, we we embody the word of a winner." I love how every like so many people are comparing this team to the 2001 Patriots. This is not the 2001 Patriots. Mac Jones is... Tom Brady wasn't great at the time, but he was, you know... that That's why, that's where it comes from. A solid defense with a quarterback that won't make mistakes. And that's basically what it comes down to. And I also... Um, this uh, A radio station in Boston, WEEI, posted an article on the 22nd. So that, was the, that would have been like... Monday, maybe, I think, something like that. They they posted an article saying Bill's Super Bowl window is closed. And I just found that to be absurd because, A, the Bills are definitely not, their Super Bowl window has not closed. And, B, they're, they have, I, I, I don't know what that's, like, assuming, like if you if that was a question you were asking, then that's assuming. So after the game, I took this tweet and I said, "Ouch, this didn't age well." And this uh, and one of the shows on WEEI, Gresham Keith, saying Bills fans thinking they won the Super Bowl because they beat the Patriots once in the regular season. Didn't it, the last two regular seasons were were three and one did, against New England? Didn't they just? Didn't the like Patriots media and fans just t- be like they won the Super Bowl after they beat New- they beat the Bills again? New England sports fans embody the word winner because that's all they're used to, and they let it kind of circulate themselves, and they and they don't know what to do when they win. They're kind of like you, you know you put a, you put a little kid in a candy store and he's just bouncing around all the cool items. New England fans look at all the cool or just Boston fans look at all the cool trophies and rings they got. They don't know which one to pick. They're, that's all they look at. That's all. They, that's all they're accustomed to. Yeah. So, and I took a look at this article, and I noticed a really big mistake. They mentioned something about Tre'Davious White and saying Brady only threw to White three times in the Tampa three weeks ago. And I go, he didn't play. He didn't play. Like. He hasn't played since what? He hasn't played since second uh, quarter of the Saints game on Thanksgiving yeah. or first quarter what? whenever he went down. Oh my gosh! Like, don't try and call me out when you just embarrassed yourselves. Like, it, come on, honestly, you can't you can't tell me that I don't know sports when 
you tell when you are literally putting an article, you guys are professional journalists and you don't and you have misinformation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that just that just kind of is just like, what are we what are we talking about here? Our guy has not played since Thanksgiving. It's kind of like a no. It's it's not like it's a a fifth string corner and we're talking about him. Maybe we'll let you get off the hook if it's a fifth or sixth or practice squad corner. But at the end of the day, like th- this guy's an all pro. Like ninety nine percent of football fans watching a game looks at the defensive side of the ball when they're watching the Bills and goes, "Yeah, I know Tra- Tre'Davious White. Tre'Davious White is pretty all pro corner. He mm-hmm. should be pretty known around the NFL. He's, you know, he's been ranked the last couple of years in the top one hundred players in the league. I'm not saying the casual the, the casual fans should know who Tre'Davious White is. Yeah, and and also you know. I just like I'm thinking about this, you know. I still am honestly shocked that Josh Allen did not get one of the Pro Bowl starters over Lamar Jackson. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, you probably could have put a plethora of quarterbacks over Lamar Jackson. You yes. probably could have put Allen. Well, first of all, Allen, first of all, is the first guy you're putting in that. No, I, th- I think you, I think it goes. Mahomes, Allen, then Herbert. Yeah, so I'm saying like in the third quarterback spot. I'm oh, saying we yeah. got Mahomes, Herbert. Those are your two guys. We don't need to discuss who's better out of those three. Boom, Allen's Allen's third, and then you probably Burrow. Yeah, Wentz. No, not Wentz. No, Wentz has been really solid this year. Mm-mm. He's been one of the better better quarterbacks in the AFC. I wouldn't say he's one of the top four. Mm, I, I w- he is he is helped by a. Good running game, and yep. probably the best. Off- I'm not going to blame the offensive line, but when you have a running game and you just hand the ball off, I'm not going to put you in the category of Pro Bowl. Let me put it like this: Carson Wentz last week had to deal with five of his six offensive, five of his six best offensive linemen being out. Jonathan Taylor was not as productive as he's been all year. Carson Wentz had to drop back and make a couple strikes throughout that game to beat the Arizona Cardinals, and he did. That pass that pass that he had, forgot who caught it. It was one of their depth receivers. That pass that Carson Wentz had was one of the best passes I've seen all year. It's probably a top five throw I've seen all year. Wentz, when he's at his, when he's at his peak, is a top half quarterback in the NFL. Wentz is taking care of the ball a lot better than he has last year. He's been a little more mobile. He's been getting his guys involved. And the run game has been a beneficial factor, in my opinion. But, the, but at the end of the day, he's the quarterback of a team that's 9-6, and six, started off rough, and is looking away, and is looking at what now is an AFC South title push, plus a wild card push as well when what they're the fifth seed right now. Yes, they're the fifth seed. They're they have just as good at like so the their chances of making the playoffs are um 95 for the the Colts are 95%. They're going to make it. But they have a 7% chance at beating the Titans. The only way that they could win the division is if they win out and Tennessee loses out and and they can't and if like if Tennessee wins one more game they they lock up the AFC South because they already beat the Colts twice yeah. so they hold the tiebreaker against Indianapolis and so they have they have a 93% chance at 
winning their division and a 24% chance at um, getting a first-round bye, but also the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have a 72% chance at getting a first-round bye. The only way the Bills can... there's a, The Bills have a slight chance at getting the first-round bye. It's, it's not going to happen. Now, if they get... I think they can, at best, get the three seed, and by sheer dumb luck, they can get the two seed. But I think the three seed is what I'm looking at for them, and they'll probably play New England in the wild card. Yeah, I saw a couple things that the Bills have a 49% shot of... Uh, 49% chance of playing New England in the playoffs as of right now, like the season ended today or for even like going and, down the rest of the two weeks. And this is, they are the, the Patriots are the only team in the AFC, if I'm not mistaken, that the Bills have not faced in the postseason. In like NFL history, just in general. Ever since the merger, the only team that the Bills have not played in postseason play is the New England Patriots. I mean, I they hey, played they let let let's let's beat let's play New England round one. Let's beat them. Start a new record against New England that we can physically have because I mean it's going to take a long time for the Bills to ever come back in regular season wins against New England. Let's start the playoff record: Bills versus New England, one and zero. That's 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 our one record that we can look at and boast against New England fans for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. And. I'm just like trying to look. Okay, so obviously we played the Dolphins, especially when Marina was there. We played the Jets. I think there was uh, one time, and um, like in '81, it was like the Bills' first playoff victory since '80, like '65. They beat them in the wild card in '81. They played the Bengals a few times. Obviously, they played the Ravens. They played the Steelers in the playoffs. They played the Browns, Titans, yes, Colts. Oh yeah, they obviously last played them year, last yeah. year. I was Ravens, like Ravens we beat Ra- Ravens, yeah. Um Texans obviously a couple years ago. Jaguars. Jaguars was, you know, a, a few years ago. Um obviously played the Chiefs last year. The Chargers I don't have any familiarity of playing the Chargers in the playoffs recently. I mean, well, I mean, I'm just like thinking um Beyond the Super Bowl, like, I mean, obviously they played them before the Super Bowl, like, before the Super Bowl era. Um, They've definitely, they've definitely played the Broncos and they've definitely played the Raiders. They might have played the Chargers. I can't be 100% sure. Um, Really quick. But, yeah, the, the New England Patriots is the only team because through, basically since this, since 2001, the Patriots have been garbage they they had a good they had a couple super bowl runs but that's really it i don't think there was any other team that the bills have not played that went to i got it the super bowl goes the two teams have met each other 40 times including three postseason games with the chargers winning 25 games and the bills winning 13 they also have tied two times, so the Chargers have a twenty-five, thirteen, and two record against the Bills all so, time. It's, what would, did, did they say? What the two playoff games were? Um, they said in, including three. Trying to look because I could only I could think of the two playoff like if, if we're counting all oh, here time. We go, here we go. The two uh, nineteen eighty AFC divisional game. Oh, playoff game. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I know. I know exactly what you're here. talking about. 
because like it was like the fir- in eighty it was like the first time they won their division since nineteen sixty five or something like that. And then or sixty six, excuse me. Speaking of sixty five, we have a nineteen sixty five AFL championship game and a nineteen sixty four AFL championship. I'm kind game. of more so like at, in during the Super Bowl era. Yeah. So, um. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and um, we'll be back, and we'll be doing what I like to call my favorite part of the week when we do our uh, picks of the week. And we can, if we have time, we can get to even next week if we have it. Um, so don't go away. Um, 878-5104 is the number. You're listening to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. My friend Teddy almost set his house on fire. He used a counterfeit, you know, a fake wall charger. He had to go to the hospital. My BFF Chloe was riding her bike and hit a ditch. Her helmet broke in two. Now, she has a brain injury. There is a cost to buying cheap. Do you want to pay the price? Real products are tested for safety. Go for real. Visit ncpc.org slash go for real. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the United States Patent and Trademark Office. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Finding a job in the bartending industry can be rough. You need to be employed to get experience, and in order to get experience, you need to be employed. Here enters Bartenders Professional Training Institute, licensed by the New York State Education Department, training students since 1992. Located at 3815 Delaware Avenue in Kenmore is a 40-hour intensive hands-on training featuring an alcohol awareness certification, as well as learning about the different kinds of beer, wine, liquors, and everything in between. You leave this institute with confidence and security inside their job placement program, as well as knowledge about the industry and customer service skills. With a completely flexible schedule, you can finish the class in as little as two weeks. For more information, call 716-874-9112 or visit www.bartenderprotraining.com. United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and America's largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal law enforcement agencies through our many varied programs, including free safety equipment donations, free officer survival training, cash donations, and condolence letters to the family of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty. 
USDSA also offers college scholarships for the dependent children of law enforcement along with the Citizen Awareness Program and thank you cards to law enforcement. These are just some of the ways United States Deputy Sheriff's Association assists America's law enforcement and the citizens they serve. For more information about United States Deputy Sheriff's Association or to see how you can help, visit www.usdeputy.org. United States Deputy Sheriff's Association, taking training to the next level because lives are on the line. Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. I am your host, Evan DePasquale, with my co host, Ed. Happens also to be named Evan. <laughs> uh, this is my personal favorite part of the week when we make our our picks of the week. And um, this has been... This week is not over yet, actually. I'm gonna... I'm on the New York Times playoff machine, and we still have Dolphins Saints, and... Right now, the Saints have a 52% chance at winning, at getting into the postseason, and the Dolphins have a 12% chance of getting into the postseason. Now, I'm going to use the ESPN playoff machine for this, because this is my preferred one that I like to use. So, all right. Saints, Dolphins, who you got? Dolphins. Dolphins are rolling. They're hot. I like the Dolphins this week. Um, Tua's been playing a lot better. We've seen the emergence of Jalen Waddle stepping up. They had a nice surprise in Duke Johnson last week in their last week's uh, win. The Dolphins' defense is rolling as well. Brian Flores has got those guys playing at a high level. And I only expect the Dolphins to keep winning from here on out. And if they win their next three games, they got a 99% chance to make the playoffs. And I'm all here for it. Let's get Miami in the postseason as a Bills fan. Let's go. I'm gonna have to hold on one sec. I'm trying to get my um, uh, my setup going, so I'm gonna do two different playoff scenarios. So we'll have my playoff scenario, and we'll have yours. So you have the Dolphins winning, which would push Miami into the seventh wild card spot. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I'm going with New Orleans on this one. I think that I think that if they can shut out the Patriots, I mean not the Patriots, the Bucks, they can shut out the Dolphins. And I don't and Tom Brady is a lot better than Tua and it's in New Orleans. I just think that it's a better matchup looking at it to pick the the Saints. A big reason why I have the Saints losing tonight is who's their quarterback? Ian Book. Oh, I thought Ian it was Book. Ooh. Uh. Yeah, Ian well, Book. Uh, we haven't well, seen much from Ian Book. I'm not going to tell you what I know and what I don't know about him because I don't know much about him. But at the end of the day, what is Brian Flores? Who is what coaching tree does he come from? The Belichick tree. What does the Belichick tree do well? Shut down young quarterbacks. Who has been rolling? Miami. They're on a six-game winning streak, looking to extend that. 
we can say what we want about Bill, uh, we can say what we want as Bills fans about Tua, but him and Jalen Waddle have been reestablished in that Alabama connection. All right, Jalen Waddle is pushing his way as a top fifteen receiver in this league, and I'm all here for it. I'm, uh, I'm as a Bills fan, I'm excited to see Miami prosper. I like watching uh, Jalen Waddle and Tua do well. All right, okay. So next up, we got um, Bills Falcons. Uh, I don't think we have to put much thought into that right now. Uh, I think that's a pretty easy W for the Bills. Uh, should be a, thought Falcons could give us a little bit of a tough ride, but the Bills should be able to just kind of clear coast that game. I think that the the Bills. I'm picking the Bills as well, but I I don't know if it's going to be close. But I also think that it's a. I I I, th- I think that I wouldn't be surprised if they give us a little bit of a scare. But I'm not too worried. About Early it. on, we should be able to take control of that game. Second half of it. All right. I wanted to get into this, but I don't know if we're going to have enough time. We're only on till four today. Bears Giants. Now, who, we don't know who's starting for the Giants next week. They had Jake Fromm in, but they got Mike Glennon came in about halfway through the game because Jake Fromm wasn't going well. With the Bears, with Nick Foles, I actually really think if the Bears started Nick Foles all year, they're looking to fight for a wild-card spot. Um, give me the Bears in this. I'm also going to go with the Bears on this one because they're just awful at quarterback. And... If we're looking at who has the better quarterback, it's, in my opinion, it's, well, if it's Nick Foles or if it's uh, Justin Fields, the Bears are going to win this game. Duh, Bears. Duh, Bears. Now, this is an interesting one that we see um, Chiefs-Bengals. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to continue on their hot streak of air raid, air raid passing. Uh Obviously, what Joe Burrow did uh, this past game, passing for 525 and four touchdowns, is sensational. But again, the Chiefs are rolling, and I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes with the one seat on the line. So you're going Chiefs? Chiefs all day, baby. I'm. I my heart wants to say Bengals because I am absolutely annoyed that the Chiefs are back in the number one seat, but. They're right now playing the best football, and so I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs, too. They might also have the hottest defense in football as well. Mm, that's one thing I'm a little concerned about, but, you know. All right. Next up, Colts Raiders. Give me the Colts. I don't think the Raiders. The Raiders are 8-7 and seven and looking to fight for a wild card spot as well. But if there's any team that's as hot as the Colts in the NFL right now, or if there's any team that is hot right now in the NFL, it's the Colts. I'm I'm going with the Colts. They are. I I think that I don't really believe in Derek Carr at the moment, and um, I think that he has you know Jonathan Taylor. If he doesn't win MVP, he'll probably win Offensive Player of the Year this year um, because that's what ends up happening is a the MVP has become just a quarterback-driven league. And yeah, and, and, and if Taylor doesn't win it, or if Taylor doesn't win uh, Offensive Player of the Year, could go to Cooper Cup. That's another thing. There's so many guys this year that are like, wow, these guys are just so good. I mean, you just, 
there's a couple there's a couple guys who aren't going to get uh, the award that they might deserve. All right. I, uh, next up, Jags, Patriots. Hate to say it, but give me New England on this one. They're going to look to bounce back against uh, against a uh, rough looking Jags team. Yeah, I'm. Patriots are just. Uh, Jags are just hot garbage, honestly. So I'm going with the Patriots as well. All right. This should probably be another easy one. Bucks at Jets. I like what I saw out of Zach Wilson this week, but you're going up against the greatest quarterback of all time and they're uh, repeating in the Super Bowl champions. Uh, give me the Bucks. All right. Bucks. I'm going with the Bucks too. Because they, Tom Brady has, just like he did with the Bills, he owns the Jets, and he's going to prove it, and uh, the, the Bucks are going to probably win by a lot. This is a really good one. I think that, you know, this would be, this might be the second biggest game of the week, probably, um... Titan Dolphins at Titans. Dolphins at Titans. Give me the Dolphins. I'm a Dolphins believer. I really like what Brian Flores is building in Miami. I I feel that I'm not saying they found their franchise quarterback in Tua, but as of right now, he is playing like a steady franchise quarterback. And like I mentioned, I'm a big Jalen Waddle guy. Jalen Waddle is becoming one of my favorite players to watch around the league. He's so dynamic after the catch. He's a big play guy. And I don't think that the Titans are ready for that. And obviously, they've had some struggles in the run game without Derrick Henry these last few weeks. And I think that that continues. And they had a rough outing against the 49ers, even though they did pick up at the second half and win. They still had a rough outing against the 49ers. Give me the Dolphins in this game. I've picked against the Titans a lot this week, this season, and I have gotten burned on it a lot so I'd have to go with Tennessee but I would not be surprised if there's a Dolphins win on um because I think AJ Brown got put on IR no, he, he played last week oh he did yeah. I thought I saw him on IR and did I get put on IR again um I could be wrong but I thought I saw something about AJ Brown Julio Jones is just but you know I, I just, the Titans I feel like are gonna find a way and Derrick Henry's probably going to be coming back soon. So, all right. Eagles at Washington. Eagles at Washington. Again, I like what's going on in Philadelphia. I like uh, the running game that Philadelphia has been bringing to their football team over the last few weeks. They got some good runners with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott. I like Devontae Smith. I like the emergence of Dallas Goddard. I like the, def- the the stuff they got on the defensive side of the ball with Javon Hargraves and obviously Fletcher Cox is still there as well. Give me the Eagles in this matchup. I'm also going with the Eagles. They're they're really talented, top to bottom. Honestly, I I, I think that and you know you, you're seeing it. And Washington got destroyed last, last night. I as soon as I saw it was 21 nothing and we were in the first quarter, I just. I just stopped watching. I turned off the game. Before we go to the next game, I actually lost my fantasy football championship by one point. I lost 202.4 to 201.4 because I had Ricky Seals-Jones, and I just needed one yard in a PPR league for a reception, and I lost. Uh, He had 
0.6 or uh, 0.6 points, and I and I lost that. So it's kind of rough outing for me. Oh, don't worry, I've lost in fantasy too. Twenty man um, league as well. It's a what? Twenty man league. Oh, wow! I got I went far. I went to champ. The two years I played fantasy, both the second quarterback that I drafted won MVP. <laughs> Cam Newton, Patrick Mahomes. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Next up, Rams at Baltimore. This could be an interesting game, but Lamar Jackson doesn't look healthy. He obviously, he hasn't played the last two games, and if he's coming into this game not healthy, he is not his 100% self. And Lamar Jackson, 100% self, is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And even with the struggles that Matt Stafford had last game, give me the give me the Rams in this. I, I do like the Rams over the Ravens. I do too. I like the the Rams. I think that their roster, top to bottom, plus that depleted uh, Baltimore secondary, is not looking great. And I I think that they need to they they are not looking good. All right, Broncos at L. A. Chargers. Most likely the starting quarterback for the Broncos going into this game will be Drew Locke. And again, Drew Locke is not what Broncos fans thought Drew Locke was going to be after his 2019 campaign at the end of the season in that year. The Chargers had a rough outing against Houston, but again, Justin Herbert is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. He's played outstanding this year. Give me the Chargers in this game over the Denver Broncos. Gosh, where we're, we're agreeing on a lot of these. I'm going with the Chargers as well. <laughs> Solely based on who's that quarterback, and I and I'm picking the the Chargers for this one. All right, this should be an easy one, and then the next one is going to be a tough one: Texans at 49ers. Texans 49ers. I again, this should be pretty easy. As much as I like what I saw at Davis Mills these last few weeks, he's going up against a 49ers team who is hungry and wants to get into the playoffs. Give me the 49ers in this one. All right. I am also going with the 49ers on this one. Um, you're going up against an inferior team, and I think that obviously the Niners are better. This is probably on Fox going to be America's game of the week. Cardinals at Dallas. Yeah, this should be a really interesting game because obviously since Kyler Murray has come back from injury, the Cardinals have not been what we thought they were early on in the year. And this happened to them last year. And again, Kyler Murray, before he got hurt, was probably the front runner for MVP in my opinion. But again, ever since he's gotten back from this injury, he's not been the same quarterback. And Dallas is rolling. Anyone who watched the Sunday Night Football game last night could have witnessed that with their own eyes. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, and the rest of that Dallas Cowboys team, obviously with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs on the defensive side of the ball. They're all rolling at a high level. Give me Dallas in this game. This is this is going to be a good game, too, because... Um, and I'm going to go with Dallas, too, because Dallas has the best. They, they're, they like, top to bottom. Their roster is just great. And I, I, would ha- I would have to pick. I'd have to pick Dallas on this one. All right. Next up, Panthers-Saints. Give me the Saints on this. Uh, I think the Dolphins are going to beat the Saints tonight, which is going to put the Saints in a very uncomfortable spot going forward, and it's going to make them hungrier. And we don't know what the actual quarterback position 
is going on with the Carolina Panthers. Panthers right are now. just we don't know quarterback. One purgatory. week it could be PJ Walker. One week it could be Cam Newton. One week it could be Sam Darnold. We do not know what's going down in Carolina at the quarterback position. Give me the Saints. I'm gonna go with the Saints as well. I just don't have any trust in whoever is under center for the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, it's really, it's tough because they, like, they had Cam Newton and then all of a sudden, and he won MVP, they went to the Super Bowl, and they have just been mediocre ever since. All right. Lions at Seahawks. This is Seahawks now officially out of postseason contention. Lions... Arguably the worst team in the NFL, probably second worst to Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville locked up the number one pick. Bold, bold prediction. I think the Lions knock off Seattle. I really liked what I've seen out of Dan Campbell and these Detroit Lions over the last few weeks. Dan Campbell, honestly, I'm not saying he should get looks for coach of the year because obviously he, he has he doesn't have the wins for it. But if we're talking about this, a straight coach players want to play for, Dan Campbell is that coach. Dan Campbell is a coach that will take his team and put them in spots to win. I think the Lions have lost six one-score games this year. Obviously, we saw that against Baltimore when Justin Tucker broke the NFL uh, record for six-yard field goal for the win. The Lions are a team that can give any team struggles, in my opinion. Obviously, yeah. they beat the Cardinals the other week. They gave the Falcons struggles this week. I like I like the Lions. I, li- I like the Lions. It's a surprise pick to knock off. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the Seattle Seahawks. I I just feel like Russell Wilson is too good. And so I'm going to have to pick. I'm going to have to go with the Seattle Seahawks on this one. But I do agree that I feel like Dan, like when, when they tied against uh, Pittsburgh, I honestly, the only person I felt bad for was Dan Campbell because he looks like he wants to win, and obviously after they won, they he gave the game ball to that um, that high school that had the, the sh- that school shooting. So I, I I think that you know Dan Campbell he's gonna he's gonna end up getting players that want to that want to come to Detroit and play for him. Um, I think he'll be a good recruiter, but I I just still think that right now looking at their roster the. Seattle Seahawks will probably win. I don't know how long Russell Wilson will play this year, but I think that he'll he'll they'll win this game. All right, the Sunday night matchup: Packers Vikings. Again, the Vikings are struggling a little bit. They had a chance to knock off the Rams this week, and they did not. I don't like Mike Zimmer at all. I think he's a terrible head coach for what the Vikings have on their roster. I don't think Mike Zimmer brings them. In anything better than what I could bring to them as a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> uh, give me give me the Packers. The Packers are rolling, man. Aaron Rodgers right now is my MVP favorite. He's going to be a back-to-back MVP winner this year if he keeps it up these last two games and locks up that one seed in the NFC. I'm picking the Packers, too, because they're just, they're just so much better from quarterback and all that stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if it's close, but I'm solely picking the Packers just because Aaron Rodgers is playing, um, like you said, playing at an MVP level. Plus, we don't know if Delvin Cook could be back from COVID or not yet. So. That's true. Um, Sunday night, uh, the Monday night game, excuse me. Um, 
Uh, Steelers-Browns. Steelers-Browns is a very intriguing matchup, obviously, with playoff implications going on within the AFC North. I don't... This game could really... It's it's lopsided. I don't think there should be a clear prediction winner in this game. Uh, Obviously, we saw Baker's having his struggles big time. Baker's having struggles, but so is Big Ben to an extent. Um, Obviously, Cleveland has a better run game. Pittsburgh, I guess... Pittsburgh has better receivers. Cleveland's got better tight ends. Cleveland's got a better offensive line. They both have two premier edge rushers in TJ Watt and Miles Garrett, so that's going to be a fun watch. Give me Cleveland, but it's going to be a slight, slight win. It could be, honestly be end up being a 21-17 victory, something like that, one of those games. I'm going to have to go with Pittsburgh on this one. I, th- I think that I just think that Baker Mayfield is not that good of a quarterback. Um... And you know it is it is a tough is a I, I just think that their defense is better to handle that Pittsburgh that that um, Brown the Browns running game. All right, where's the game being played? It is at Pittsburgh. It's at Heinz Field, where I don't think the Browns have ever well besides in the playoffs, but it's the first time that the. Uh- I'm still I'm still going Cleveland, but thinking about it more, I'm I'm leaning in like my percentage is a little more towards Pittsburgh since you said it's in in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. I've been in that stadium before; those fans are wild. All right, so your picks are obviously you have Dolphins tonight, you got Bills, Bears, Chiefs, Colts, Patriots, Bucks, Dolphins again, um, the Eagles, Rams. Chargers, 49ers, Cowboys, Saints, Lions, Packers, Browns. Your, and then I'll, I'll read off mine. I had the Saints, Bills, Bears, Chiefs, um, Chiefs, Colts, Patriots, Bucks, Titans, uh, Eagles, Rams, um, uh, Chargers, 49ers, uh, Cowboys, Saints, and Seahawks and uh, Packers Steelers. So, your playoff as the playoff picture looks right now, the one seed has and both one seeds are still Kansas City Green Bay. The the two seven would be Tennessee Miami, and then the three six would be a rematch of Buffalo New England. And then the four five would be Cincinnati and um, Indianapolis. And C- go ahead, Cincinnati Indianapolis would be a very fun matchup to watch. I, I, when's the last time those two teams have played in general? Like realistically, like I'm not sure. That would be an interesting game because you've got they're just two polar opposite teams. They play two different styles of football. One yeah. likes to drop back and throw the ball 525 yards a game. One likes to run the ball for 225 yards a game. And then for the NFC, you've got Packers one seed, Dallas. I'll, I'll get through this because we got a we got only two minutes. Um, Dallas, Philly in the two seven, Rams, Niners in the three um, in the three uh, six, and then. Bucks, Cardinals, and the four-five. Wow! So, so two in division matchups 
within the mm-hmm. NFC. That'll be interesting. Very interesting. And then I have still the same with um, top two seeds. Then I have Tennessee, L.A. as a 2-7. And then the same for the other ones, Buffalo, New England, and then Cincinnati, um, Indianapolis. And then for the NFC, I have also the um, I also have Packers at the one seed. Then the two seven is Dallas, New Orleans, which I honestly think is not really a great matchup. Then L.A. Philadelphia is the three six, and then Tampa Bay, Arizona. That's going to do it for this episode of um, The Blitz here on 91.3 FM. We appreciate you all that are listening. Tune in for next week. We'll be on uh, next week. Uh, I'll be here, and if Evan, if Evan wants to be here, he'll we'll make sure that he's here, and hopefully we can uh, get some of your calls. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening, and uh, tune in for more great music here on 91.3 FM WBNY. And 91.3 FM WBNY is Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. Go Bills.